faith. How many remember that? Amen. I've been teaching about faith. Taught a lesson on hope. Taught about not turning loose of your faith. Don't cast away your faith. It said, I think it says confidence in the King James, but it really has the meaning of faith. So we're going to talk about words today. Faith and words. How do you build a faith life? You know, I'm, let me just put it in that frame. How do you build your faith life? If you appreciate somebody that you know has faith and walks by faith, and by the way, you're not going to get faith just by reading somebody else's book. <laughs> you're going to have to be around somebody that operates in faith and catch it as well as be taught it. And I'm going to tell you, you know, there's a lot of people on the planet that say they have faith. They don't have a bit of it, in my opinion. They just talk a big talk, but I don't really see ever, ever see any changes in their life for the better. So I'd say you're just fooling yourself. I mean, I don't have to tell them that. They ought to know that after a while. If there's no fruit out of what you say you believe, you don't believe it. <laughs> and I'd like to say this. This is one of the hardest things I had to learn, that my words were critical. <laughs> I'm just talking to you here. And the first person I ever heard teach it was Kenneth Copeland. And I was in my car listening to it on a cassette. And when he got done, I said out loud, that's the stupidest thing I have ever heard. This about with that attitude, you know, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. And I'd been saved for probably seven or eight years, went to seminary. Still said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You know why? Because I'd never heard anybody talk about it like that. Being an ex-drug addict, I thought money and just uh, roughness and toughness, you know, because when I was in the world, you just wouldn't want to have been around me probably. And... Uh, but I was saved now, and all of a sudden the Lord said to me after I said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. The Lord said, look inside. Now, see, I knew God enough when he said look inside. It didn't mean look up here. I'm going to teach you something. If you pay attention, you ought to remember it the rest of your life. It's not what you think up here as much as what you hear down here. My brain was going tilt, tilt, tilt. That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. I'm repeating that on purpose to show you how immature I was. And how carnal was my thinking. I know none of you have ever been there, but trying to help you. And you can just carry it over in your life. You can still think carnal if you don't have your mind renewed. And don't think you just arrive one day and all of a sudden you're in some utopia. That is not true. You're going to have to deal with your flesh and the devil as long as you live on this planet. That's just the way it is. And there's no exceptions, including Jesus. He had to, too. Okay. So the Lord said, check inside. And somehow intuitively, you know what I mean? I didn't have this all figured out when I made that comment. And I'm not, I don't feel bad about saying it to you because I'm just showing you where I was. This was 1978. <laughs> 41 years ago. The Lord said, look inside. And I knew he meant look down here. I looked down here and my spirit was going, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. My brain was going, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And when I said, look down here, and it went, I, mean, I could feel that unction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Lord said to me, then he said, Michael, just keep listening to him until you get it. And I can't tell you how many times that single cassette in my little car I had, I would put it in and I would leave it in the, in the box thing. Uh, I, it was probably months later, but something happened to me, and this is the way I say it. All the tumblers lined up. Now, what I mean by that, anybody see the movie, The Italian Job, they're going to act like you never go to a movie or nothing. Okay, 
Dan can agree with me. Anyway, there's a lady on there that is a safe breaker. And they show her in this scene, she's got a stethoscope in here, and she's got that stethoscope on that safe. And you, 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 you don't hear it naturally, but you hear it because they put it in for you to hear what she's hearing. Click, click, click. Then you get all the goodies. And so when I say all the tumblers lined up in me, I'd heard it enough and got saturated with it enough that my mind was stable with it. But down here, I was really going, yeah, baby, that's it, isn't it? Words are critical. And I didn't have anything to say for two months. Except, hi, how you doing? See you. That's about it. I didn't have much conversation because I had never put, put myself in a position this will help you if you listen to take control over my speech. I heard some people at a restaurant the other day talk. And I thought, man, you guys don't know. Either. You just really shouldn't say stuff like that. They weren't cussing, but this, their talk was nonsense with each other. Buddying up with somebody. and I don't know. It's just strangeness to me anymore. You know, the Bible says in Job, the ear... Trieth words like the mouth tasteth meat. You get a bad piece of meat in your mouth, you want to spit it out. Even if you're in a nice restaurant, you're hunting for a napkin or a handkerchief or something that you could roll that out and put it in your pocket, throw it in the bathroom later or something. How many know what I'm saying? You're all looking at me like, all right. So when I found that in 78, I just kept listening and listening and listening. And for some reason, it seems like this is a hard thing to get across to human beings. That your words are determining what you are. Your words are determining where you're headed. Your words are determining what you got. If you don't talk different, then you're just going to remain with what you got. Now, I don't mean just stuff. I don't mean just clothes and jewelry and cars and homes. That's included, of course. But that's not what the peace and joy and stability in a crazy society that don't know if they're boys or girls anymore and they're making people put a thing on a register now that you could put, you know, male, female, or other. How crazy have we become? Pretty crazy. And we're just in the beginnings of seeing this. Just talking to you here. But I know I'm a man. I'm not confused about it. All right. You can't do anything in your life unless you say so. This was Dr. Dufresne, my spiritual father, said that. You can't do anything in your life unless you say so. And by the way, it doesn't say it on this sheet, but God says what he's going to do before he ever does it. Everything he's done, God says it first. Everything. You're going to have to follow his example. You know, Ephesians 5 one says, mimic him as your father. Well, if he calls things that be not as though they were, they become that. And if you do that, it'll become that for you. It may not look like it at first, and that throws people too because you're talking to something. And it's still just standing there looking at you. Nothing's changed yet. But you've got to give it a chance to work. Even Jesus cursed the roots. It took them a day before they got back by there. And Peter said, hey, Jesus, the leaves are starting to wither. Well, it hit the root system first and then it made its way up to the leaves. But Jesus didn't act shocked or startled either. He knew what he was doing. And he was giving them a faith lesson. And he said out of that, have the God kind of faith. In other words, learn to talk the results you want. If you don't like what is, quit talking what is. <laughs> yeah. Talk what you want. All right. Here's Dr. Dufresne again. Your words brings God's supply to your needs. 
I like this. And Bosworth, F.F. F. Bosworth, one of my favorite authors, he wrote uh, Jesus the Healer, I think, or Christ the Healer. God is no bigger in you than you confess him to be. I just tell him, you're my all in all, and then I break it down. Father, you're my financier, you're my provider, you're my healer, you're my deliverer, you're my soundness of mind. And I, then I quote things like, you know, Isaiah 26, 3, I keep my mind on you and you keep me in perfect peace. And I have to do that part too. I have to know the scriptures to tell him, to repeat him, to respond to him, back to him, that I'm believing him for that scripture to work in my life. All right. You know. Let me see. I love this. You only retain what you repeat. You only retain what you repeat. Here, here's another one. This is Dr. Dufresne again. Don't worry about your tomorrows. Just speak the words today that shape your tomorrow. That's really good. I like this. Brother Hagen says, sometimes people wait too long in reversing spiritual laws. They've set in motion with their mouth, with their words. If sometimes someone tries to go in reverse after they've jumped off a house, they're too late. How many know that's true? So what the point is, you, you've got to make your speaking, I'm saying this, you have to make your, speak, you have to make your speaking a way of life. And you, you learn just like I did, one day at a time. Did you ever have some hiccups? I sure have. A few times I've gotten so mad and just, you know, and, and I shouldn't have said what I said or did what I did. I'm just talking about me. I'm not talking about you. I'm not showing anybody your stuff. Uh, and, and I had to repent. I had to say, Father, forgive me. I shouldn't have talked like that. I told you about my wife correcting me that time, Michael. When she says Michael like that, I know uh, something's the matter here, and it's me. And I, I need to figure it out quickly. <laughs> You know, the banks, they said they were going to help me. And I, went, I met with a lot of bank presidents, vice presidents, and different people, business loan with this church. Not the first building, uh, not the second building. I don't know what building it was. But anyway, in there somewhere. And uh, they said they could help me. So Donna gave them all our records, which they asked for. We were willing to show people what we had coming in and everything. And then he came back and said, I can't help you. I said, well, why did you tell me? You sat in my office and act like this piece of cake. You're going to be able to help me. And you haven't helped me a bit. You need to quit lying to your preachers. <laughs> did you really say I really said that? Would have liked to said a lot more. Just holding my peace. Yeah, one time these guys, they waited on me, these bank executives, in the parking lot of the church. And that's back when I had my office up here and I parked up here. And they waylaid me when I got out of the car. Aren't you Dr. Jacob? Yes. Who are you? Well, we're vice president and president of such such a bank, and we know you took your money out and put it in another bank. I said, yeah, because you guys turned me down. We, we think we could help you. Could you just give us some time? I said, give me your card, and I'll pray about it. And I prayed about it, and I told Donna, call them back, and we're going to give them 45 minutes. We sat down with them, and they, and they tried to talk their talk. And I said, well, the bottom line is, can you beat some, something percent? Well, my God, no. I said, well, then you can't help me. You just wasted 45 minutes of my time. I wish you boys would wake up. <laughs> you got any other complaints? I said, Donna, do we have them? She said, yeah, I sure do. Because <laughs> we had to leave a certain amount of money in there just for local operations, and they persecuted one of our other employees at, the, at a bank when they shouldn't have because we've been doing business with them for years. People. Talking big talk, they don't walk the walk. 
But my point was, I got so frustrated out of all those things. I could tell you several more, but you, you don't appreciate them. I don't think from your response, you just act like I'm a meanie. No, I'm a realist. If you tell me you can help me, then by God, you should help me or not tell me that. That's just a simple common sense thing. You're going to jack your faith around by lying to people. I'm telling you. You need something important come on your body and you got to talk to it, baby. It's going to be like that with your own faith. You're going to flub it up. Now, I'm trying to help you today. I'm not mad at anybody, but if you want to know the truth, this is the truth. If it makes you mad, I'm sorry. You just have to deal with it. All right, let's get on to Proverbs 18. Here we go. I'm talking about your words. Your words are so critical. You've got to guard the way you talk. Anyway, let me finish my say. I was so frustrated, and I was trying to get a re... What was that called? A reloan? What do you call it? A refinance. Thank you, Steve. For this building and all these people turned me down and I just got so negative about it it ate on me and it got in my spirit and then I made that comment at home and my wife said Michael and I started thinking what did I say <laughs> she said I'm not going to repeat to you what you say I live with you you don't talk like that what's the matter with you and I, remember, I remembered what I said and I said father I repent to you first because you're my father for talking like that. I repent and I'll never let that come out of my mouth again. I believe you for this refinance to work. Honey, I want you to forgive me for talking like that. I'm your covering and I should be more alert to that. Thanks for correcting me. I repent. And we had the loan in two weeks. I've been trying for two or three years, wasn't it, Donna? See, your words, see, my words are more powerful than I gave them credit for. They were keeping me out of the deal because... Certain people had offended me over and over again. Other people, several. Anyway, Proverbs 18, 21. You ready for the word? Yeah. What have we been doing? We've been doing the word here. Uh, Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power. The real word is authority. Death and life are in the authority of your tongue. And they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. Now, first of all, this is pretty eye-opening that the death and life are in the authority of your tongue. So if you want life, you're going to have to speak life. And death, what is sickness and disease? It's just a precursor to death. If it's severe enough and you're sick enough, you're going to exit your body anyway. All sickness and disease is a precursor to death. Try to get you out of the planet. Try to stop you. Try to get you immobile. <laughs> Try to get you to shut up. You know, whatever, if you're a faith person. So, now, one thing is interesting about this, and they that love it shall eat the fruit. I thought for a while, I, this is just the way I think. You just have to know how I think. God loves me. I said, Father, I think I found out uh, something's wrong with that verse. Are you telling me some people love darkness rather than light? He said, yeah, I remember John 3. I go, sure enough. I went over and looked it up in the Gospel of John 3. I don't know what it is. You can look it up yourself later, not while I'm preaching. But it says some men love darkness rather than light. And it says if you love it, you're going to eat the fruit of it. I mean, I've been around some people. They talk so much death in a minute or two. You go, my God, where have they been? And a lot of them say, well, I'm an, I've been an elder over at this church over here. And I'm, well, you sure didn't listen or, or they don't know anything to teach you or you're just ignorant. I don't know which, but shouldn't be talking like that. How you can't, how you won't, how it won't ever. See, that's all death. It's just a form of death in slow motion. All right. So 
Death and life are in the power. So I can tell from this the authority of the tongue. My words, when he says the tongue, he's talking about not this physical piece of meat, but the words that come out of my mouth will carry life or death. Carry life or death. Yeah. Hallelujah. All right, let's go, let's go back to Deuteronomy here, chapter 30. Deuteronomy 30. Remember now, we're remembering that death and life are in the power of our tongue, in the authority of our tongue. And so we're going to have to find some scriptures that give us life and begin to speak that from the Bible back to the Father. We'll get to this in just a minute. I'm still just warming up with you here. But Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, primarily, I might read 22. 20 also, but Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. This is what it, God says. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. I mean, it's like an open book test. God says, this is what you can have, life or death. Hey, choose this one. Choose this one. Choose this. <laughs> but he gives you the option. What a father, that both you and your seed may live. So there's something about your children that are affected and perhaps your grandchildren and on down through the generations from a man of faith or a woman of faith because they chose life and they continue to choose life. So you just you can't choose this one day and just forget it for 40 and then say, well, I'm going to go back and choose life again. You have to stay with things. Got to stay with things. How long? Until you're done here. Yeah, until you're done, until you're just done with everything in this planet. Then you're ready to go home. You fulfilled the will of God. Hey, praise God, that's not a sad day, you know. But you've got to stay with it all the way through. Hallelujah. So he's telling us here, life and death, blessing and cursing. I like the blessing. I don't know about you guys. I, I, I like the blessing, don't you? I like the life of God working in my life in every capacity. Yeah. And then it says, verse 20, that you may love the Lord your God, and that you may obey his voice, and that you may cleave unto him, for he is thy life, and he and the length of your days. So you could lengthen your life by this too, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. So this is what we're saying. You need to choose life because the power of life is in the authority of my words. The power of death's in the authority of my words. You know, here's another thing people get into. I just don't think I'm ever going to get over this. Well, you just sealed your fate. I'll talk to you 20 years from now, and I say, I remember when you said that back then, you weren't going to get over it. It's evident you never did. That it's destroyed your life. Some lady came to me one time and said, you know, da-da-da-da-da, I'm living with this man, da-da-da, and married to him. And, you know, he's messed my life up and everything. I said, well, he's not even here with you to talk to him. My advice is you need to change. Do you want to stay married to him or go divorce him? I don't know. What's he done? She was shocked I said that, but she stayed with him. And they worked it out. I said, you're just going to have 15 or 20 years of the same if you, with that attitude you got. Uh, how may I listen? <laughs> Some gentleman called me one time, a lady in this church. 
what are you going to do about my wife? I said, I'm not going to do nothing about your wife. She's your wife. You fix her. What's your problem? He said, well, da-da-da-da-da. And I said, well, you need to get with it. I said, I notice you never come to any services. You show up at all the picnics, eat pizza, hamburgers, hot dogs. You don't show up for teaching. Sounds to me like she's way ahead of you. She, at least she comes faithfully. I don't know if she ever got anything, but she comes faithfully. I didn't tell him that. No, I'm just being honest. I'm not going to do nothing with your wife. She's your wife. She's your responsibility. Who do you run with? Well, he told me, I said, you're running with the wrong people. You're running with has-beens that's got bad marriages and low life, getting drunk at the bar on Friday and trying to pick up women. You're a mess, man. Why don't you get saved? I thought you were going to help me. I said, I have, if you'll pay attention. I'm just not a play-with-it type of guy. Some people don't like me. That's fine. I don't care less. Never fear failure and never talk defeat. Never for a moment acknowledge that God's ability can't put you over. Now, I'm telling you, you know, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Faith-filled words will put you over. Fear-filled words will defeat you. Let's go to Romans chapter 10 here. We're just now getting into meat and taters of this thing today. I love teaching on this. This is exciting. We had, those, we had a bookstore. We had those little mini books. I had them for sale year after year and I gave them away to about 150 of you over the years for helping me do stuff. Uh, God's Creative Power by Charles Capps. It's got a lot of confessions in there. If, if, I don't think we have them in there anymore, but we don't have a bookstore, but you could get their ministry if you want. But it gives you isolated scriptures to deal with certain things, material needs, physical needs, you know, mental stuff, different things. So Romans 10, look at verse 8, 9, and 10 with me. But what saith it, the word is nigh thee. The word is close to you. Notice what it says. Even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. See, I told you today I'm going to talk to you about how do you build your faith. Well, this tells us the word's close to us, but in order to get it in my heart, it first has to get in my mouth. As it first gets in my mouth, probably everything around me doesn't look like it's changed, but I'm speaking to things to change it. I'm speaking to things to change it. I'm speaking to things to change it. And I have to find scriptures that cover what it is I'm trying to change. How about like, by his stripes I am healed. He sent his word and healed me and delivered me from my destructions. He bore my sicknesses and diseases, carried my pains away from me. How about, and you have to say that, and sometimes when you first start saying it, you may be suffering. You may have pain in your body. You may be sick. You may be, you know, very sick. But you've got to start somewhere through here to say this and stay with it. You go to the doctor, if you've got some kind of something, they say take these three pills a day for 10 days. You would, most of you would never think of skipping a day. If you had to keep your pills in your pocket because that's what the doctor said do and you went to him for advice and counsel and you feel like whatever he advised you to do I understand that that you should do if you're going to get better well you know if you take something for 10 days that's 10 days I mean we need to stay with God's word forever and ever and things don't change overnight sometimes 
especially if we have long-standing situations. Nothing's impossible of those who believe. You and God are the only two people in the Bible that ever spoke of that could do that, that all things are possible for God and us, the believers. But you have to believe it. So we see in this, it's called the word of faith. So if I'll take the word and put it in my mouth, even though right now it doesn't seem any different, maybe I don't feel any different. Are you listening to me? Okay. Then you have to, you have to put the word in. In fact, I would say this, put the word in when things are going well for you so when pressures come, you don't just fall apart. What kind of example is that? I let things teach me, even some of the more difficult times I've went through. I prayed for a baby one time, and it had cancer of the liver, and they took it back, and they said it's in remission. Then some lady in my church got involved with this family who I didn't endorse her doing that. She didn't know what she was talking about and gave them bad advice. The baby died. Then they called me back. And so I went and prayed for that baby for four hours. I prayed in tongues with my hands on that baby but it didn't raise from the dead. So then I had to call the morgue. I know you would have done better than me, but just listen to my story. So after the morgue came and took the baby body, and the parents, they were mad at me, you know, over the whole thing. They were Methodist people. Last-ditch effort, somebody told them I prayed for the sick and maybe they could get some help with me, but they'd only been in my church. Crystal remembers this. She was with me back then. They'd only been in my church a couple months, maybe, at best. So they're, you know, and they weren't, I wouldn't even say they were really committed Methodists, much less word of faith people. Anyway, I didn't get invited to the funeral either. But, you know, I took my Bible, I had my Bible in my hand, and there was a trash can about five feet away in my office. I was in there by myself. I said, I think I'm just going to throw this in the trash and do something else with my life, Father, because I felt so discouraged, so defeated. Maybe you can't relate. You're not in that position, probably. None of you are preachers. Unless you've been pastor before, you wouldn't know what I'm talking about. And you feel like, and this lady got involved in there, which I didn't endorse her and gave her, hey, it's not important right now, but I'm going to throw my Bible in the trash. <laughs> and the Lord said, if you do, that'll be the end of it. I said, yeah, I figured that. <laughs> and then, then he reminded me, I thought you said you believe 2 Thessalonians 3.16 from the Amplified Bible. I'm the Lord of peace who grants you peace in every circumstance. Now I'm stuck with the question. Am I going to believe the Bible, which I've been standing on for a year on that scripture, 2 Thessalonians 3.16 from the Amplified. I'm the God of peace who grants you peace in every circumstance. Man, my, I mean, I feel like I'm up against a wall standing there, you know. I don't know if you can relate. I said, yeah, you're right. You are the God of peace who gives me peace in every circumstance. I receive it. I don't feel it, but I receive it. See, I was living by faith back then. I was pretty frustrated. I was ready to throw my Bible in the trash. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. But, I mean, if I'm going to throw it in the trash, that's the last time I'm picking that puppy up. That's how I operate. That's the way I think about stuff. And so I went back home, tried to get some sleep, and Junior Cherry called me. He used to go to this church. I may remember Junior. And he called me up, and he was like sent from God to talk to me. I don't even remember what he said, but I felt like just he just so edified me. He was there that night we prayed. 
when the child was already dead and so forth. And he just so encouraged me, man. I mean, I don't know. I just It was like a word sent from God to me. You can imagine the confusion in my head at the time, even though I was holding on to that one verse, 2 Thessalonians 3.16, Amplified Translation. But he sure helped me, and I, I got moving forward then from then on. Hallelujah. So you can't, you can't base what you believe just what other people do with it, too. See, you just need, I'm talking to you today, you particularly. Whatever your name is, I'm talking to you. Not your mate, not your children, not your mama, you. I'm talking to you today. Get this. You can build a strong faith life, regardless of anybody else around you wants to do it or not. Most don't. They don't want to do it. They don't want to pay attention that much. But you can do it, and you can have a strong faith life, and you can have life, the life of God. Hallelujah. Now, let me read verse 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and pay attention to this last clause, and with the mouth confession is made resulting in salvation. That's the way that should read. And the word salvation there, with the mouth, it results in your salvation. That word salvation is healing, deliverance, soundness, preservation. For the whole man, your spirit, your soul, and your body. If you'll open your mouth and say some things, then it'll start working for you. Every part of you. It results in your salvation, not just a new birth. That's part of it. But this word salvation is much broader. It's, we call it redemption today, I would call it. But still yet, it's the word salvation here. Same, same principle. It encompasses the whole man to be made whole. Nothing broken, nothing missing. Hallelujah. Now let's look down here at verse 17 a minute. So then faith, I want to pay attention. We're talking about how to build your faith life. So then faith cometh by praying and praying. Nope. So faith cometh by going to church. Not necessarily. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I like to say it this way. Faith comes by hearing and 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 hearing about a million times over. The word of God comes by hearing. So you, you're made this way. Get this. Your voice carries authority with it. Even heathens but especially the believer. And your voice carries authority. If you'll speak God's word, then that will begin to bring faith to you. What did we read up in verse 8? That is the word of faith. The word of faith. You can't say something contrary to the Bible and put faith in you for the Bible to put faith in you for unbelief or faith in you that you doubt or something like that. All right, how many are listening? See, faith comes by hearing. People say, well, I wish I had your kind of faith. Well, you could have it. All you got to do is talk right and get in your Bible like I have. And, you know, I'm not putting myself up as some great leader, but I work on my faith every day. I think about my faith every day. I've told you that for 25 years. I'm not playing with it. I'm working on my faith every day. Some days are better than other days as far as my feelings, but I don't pay attention to my feelings anymore anyway. I've learned that too, because your feelings can mislead you. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing. And so that's why I'm saying, you know, I tried to find a preacher to listen to this morning. I was just out of it. I, 
had to let it go this morning. I mean, there's probably somebody on there, but. So then faith cometh. And faith keeps cometh. Keeps coming to me. Hallelujah. You're the Lord of peace who grants me peace in every circumstance. See, I learned that was back in the 70s when that happened with that baby. 78 to 82. That's almost 40 years ago. It is 40 years ago. And so, you know, I let that teach me. He's the Lord of peace who grants me peace in every circumstance. Are you listening to me? Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. You can't hear the word enough. You just got to make time for it. We, we are such a distracted generation. I, I'm concerned. I mean, I'm not down on people's devices or the technology. If you need them, use it. But for goodness sake, don't let that drive your life. Yeah, I, I purposely leave my phone some places, not to have to go back and find it, but I leave it in my car if I'm going to lunch with somebody because I'd like to talk to them a little if you want to talk to me and me with you. And I don't want to have to hit, see who's that. You know, that kind of shows that Steve's not a priority to me. You know, I, I wait a minute, I got to catch this. I'll be back in a minute. I go out to the restaurant and pff, I should have not made arrangements to have lunch with him if I was going to act like that. Irritates me when people bring their phone to lunch with me and you get up and take a call. I mean, how critical could it be? You can always call them back, you know. Faith cometh by... See, people are driven by the, by the little stuff that they call life. It's not life at all. They're driven. Well, let's be driven to get in the Word and have put the Word in us. Now, I appreciate the mechanics of a you know, a DVD player. I got one of those in my bedroom. I've got a big screen iPad that Sean loaded with me. It's got a, a pterodactyl in it or a dinosaur. <laughs> Some kind of thing sounded like a dinosaur thing. What's it called? Terabyte. Terabyte. <laughs> Hallelujah. I got machinery to let preach to me. That's what I got them for. All right. So faith comes by hearing. Hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you, if you come to church and you, some of you have heard me use these same illustrations before. I know uh, Trish has and Dan and some of the others have been with me a long time. Les and Mary, Dale and Arlene. And they, well, that's the fifteenth time he said that, and I just now got it. Well, there you go. That's why I told you. <laughs> Pastor Parker talked talked about me last night in his sermon. He said, "Dad gets up, and he's preaching the same." series he preached over there I took notes and he he said something totally different tonight well just gotta say something one time doesn't mean I've given you my whole life in an hour or 45 minutes I mean I'm almost 70 years old I've lived for God almost 50 of those all right well, you got to learn to if you got an attitude well I've heard this before you might as well sit in the car you, you, you got the switches all disarrayed you know I've heard him say this before yeah, but I keep saying it because we need to hear it. And we need to know that faith only comes one way. And that's by you hearing the word of God. Not your mother, not your grandpa, not your wife, not your kids. They got to do it for themselves too. This is a personal thing. I consider my Bible, per this was written to Michael Jacobs. I know you all are included too, but if you're not, that's fine with me because it's, it's for me. That's my point. I take it like that is written for me. 
the Bible. And I can learn from it. I'm intelligent. God's given me the Holy Ghost to help me. So we're saying faith comes by hearing. How much more would it come to you if it came out of your own mouth? If it came out of your own mouth. If it came out of your own mouth. And you hear yourself saying certain things. Praise God. I've got authority over the devil in Jesus' name. I take authority over you right now, Satan. I bind you in the name of Jesus. I command you to stop in your maneuvers against this church. I just prayed. All right. Not as an, not as an example, just prayed it. Okay, let's go to Matthew 12. Let's go back here. We're still learning faith comes by hearing. Don't forget that. People try to say, well, faith comes by praying. No, it doesn't. <laughs> faith comes by hearing. Now, if you're praying the word in one sense, yes, because you're praying the word out loud, you could say that, but you're really praying to get results. Let's look at verse 34, Matthew 12, 34 here. It says, O generation of vipers, and I'm not calling you that, that's snakes. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance, now this gets us important, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You know, uh, whatever's in your heart in abundance is what comes out when the pressure's on. I was in an airplane one time as a commercial jet. And I don't know if the guy was on medication or he'd been drinking. I'm not sure, but it was raining really bad. And we were going to, we were trying to go to Fresno Airport. I think that's right. And he went down the land and I'm sitting in by the window. And I look out and I see grass. I was that close to the ground. I could see grass. And he's not on the runway. And all of a sudden he jerked that yoke back and we went, and people, ah! screaming, it's bloody murder, like, my God. And the captain came on and said, well, I'm, I missed that. I'm going to make a sweep and try again. I'm thinking, oh, brother, here we go. <laughs> but see, I'd already prayed Psalm 91 when I got on that puppy. Come on. So he tries again, he misses again. And he's not put the wheels on the grass, but had he done it, that thing would have, it was muddy because it had been raining a lot out there. And finally, he's... I don't know if the co-pilot took over, but the pilot said, the last thing I remember, he said, we're about to run out of gas. You know, that's another thing when you fly come You don't know all that stuff as you're a novice. I mean, you're a beginner, but I know. you got to have a certain amount of fuel to extra. But if you got too much fuel, they don't want you landing. you got to, especially if you're a dangerous situation, they've got to run that, burn that fuel out so the plane don't explode. He said, i got to go over to this other airport to refuel. And we went there and sat on the dock uh, forever. And they finally got a fuel truck to us. He said, I'm going to take you to San Jose. I think's where I ended up. Went to San Jose. I'm, I was supposed to be with the Simons that night to preach. When I got off the plane, they, they, whoever was talking to, you know, over the microphone there, they're going to put you in a bus with no potty, so you need to go to potty, go to potty here. We're going to drive you to Fresno. It's a four-hour drive or something ridiculous. I called up Pastor Simons. He's preaching. For me, and he said, Say hello to Pastor Jacobs. Hello, Pastor Jacobs. Hey, thank you, Pastor Johnny. I, and he said, I know what you're calling me about. You got a, you, uh, your plane didn't land right in Fresno. I said, That's right. He said, I got a driver coming for you. He'll be there in about 10 minutes. He'll have your name on a piece of paper. He's coming to pick you up. 
So I'm standing there waiting for my luggage with the carousel. Guy standing by me, he is so mad, and he really lets loose with some cuss words. I mean, he really cussed. He blankety-blank, you know, stuff, and he's just going off. I said, sir, do you realize we're standing on ground right now? Well, yeah. I said, well, why, are you, why would you be so combative about it? He didn't kill us. We're here we stand. We're getting our luggage. What's the matter with you? Amen. He just shook his head and shut up. I wasn't going to fight him over it, but I mean, he didn't need, he was just so expletives coming out of him in front of everybody. He didn't care who hurt him. You know, I happened to be standing next to him. I said, why would you be like, he got, we got here safe, man. I'm on the ground. Aren't you on the ground? Isn't this the ground? Yeah. I said, well, we got delivered from that pilot temporarily. You know, <laughs> see, all, see all the words that came out, people screaming. What's that? Oh my God, I'm going to die. I never let out one peep. I just reminded God, I, I talked to you about Psalm 91 when I got on this plane. So I'm believing it's going to work out, no matter how many laps he needs to make to do it or where he needs to take us to get us down safely. Amen. Hallelujah. You've got to think straight. But of the abundance of the heart, you know, they have recordings of some pilots that went down. They got that, what they call that black box or blue box. And you wouldn't believe what's on some of that stuff, the cussing and screaming and, God something, something. Not God bless you. What the, you know, expletives. People have no faith in anything. They're going down and they're, they're blaming God. <laughs> and they have nothing to fall back on. You listen to me. You know, F.F. F. Bosworth wrote that book, Christ the Healer. T.L. Osborne went to see him when he was ready to go home. He was in bed. He threw his arms up when T.L. said, Praise God, I'm going home today, T.L. Hallelujah been waiting for this for a long time he hadn't been sick but he was getting ready to go home he said i'm gonna go see my father see he's not afraid he's not worried he's not wrought up but whatever's in your heart in abundance that was what comes out when you're confronted with stuff a good man verse 35 out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good things an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things but i say unto you that every idle word that men or women shall speak they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Just think about that. We're going to stand trial for our words. And so it's important that we talk right. And if we do, by our words we'll be justified or made right with God or be able to walk right with God. Hallelujah. And he says you're going to stand judgment for Give account for every idle word. That's every non-good word that you did that said. That's what that means. Uh, not operating in the life of God words. Hallelujah. Now let's go to Proverbs 21. Are you getting anything yet? I'm, I'm talking to you about your words. And the reason I'm taking some time about it is that we have to get thoroughly convinced from the Bible. Uh, 21 and uh, verse 23 uh, 21, Proverbs 21, 23, Whoso keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Your soul is your mind, your will, and emotions. You know, if you want to keep your mind sound, I said if you want to keep your mind sound, you'll have to keep your mouth and your tongue 
so that you don't have troubles all the time. You know, troubles get in people's head and then they, it begins to enlarge itself somewhat and they talk about it all the time. If you talk the problem, you get the problem, plus it intensifies. What am I supposed to do? Well, you should find some scriptures that give you the answer to the problem. You know, I've stuck out Jesus. Everybody know what I'm talking about? I've checked him out. He never prayed the problem. Never. He always prayed the answer. He always prayed the answer. He never prayed the problem. When you pray the problem, the problem gets worse. I don't seem to be able to make it on this income. Well, there you go. You're not going to make it on that income. And even if you got a raise because of your confession and you say it then and you just hang with that confession or you think about it all the time, I'm not going to make it on this amount of money. Well, you're not going to make it. I mean, you could win the lottery and you're not going to make it. And they've proven a lot of these people don't have any sense at all. When they win, they go through it in about a year or two and then they're broke. And they won several millions of dollars, sometimes hundreds of millions. So just having money is not an answer for people who don't know how to think right about it. It's talking to you here. I don't want my soul troubled. I'm really hitting a nerve here. Hang on. I'm going to give you another one on this. But let me read. Whoso keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from trouble. How do you keep your mouth? You're going to have to go to the Bible and learn how to keep it. You're going to have to keep it. Go to Philemon. Can anything good come out of Philemon? This little book before my favorite Hebrews. I want you to look at it with me a minute. Philemon. There's only one chapter, it's verse 6 in Philemon. I want you to find that with me. I'm talking about mental health right now. Since our country and the world is spending billions and billions and billions of dollars on antidepressants, and I'm not making fun of people, if you need it, take it, but just don't feel like you have to stay on it. You know, I realize sometimes people get in trouble and they have a, some level of a breakdown, we'll call it. I don't know, I don't want to call it a nervous breakdown, but some kind of thing that gets on people and they don't seem to be able to recover well you might have to take something for a moment or a week or a month but listen don't ever let the the devil tell you you have to stay on that the rest of your life make you void of emotions you know you're not even a person anymore you're just a robot so I'm talking about mental health right now if I keep my mouth and my tongue I keep my soul, not my spirit, but my soul. My, the word soul in the Greek is the word suke. It's where we get psychiatry and psychologists. All that realm that deals with the thought life and the emotional realm. Are you listening? So if we don't want to have mental problems, then we need to keep our mouth and our tongue in line with the word. I told you a minute ago when I first got a hold of that by listening to Brother Copeland, I didn't have anything to say for two months or better. I mean, I'm serious. I just felt like I got to quit talking. I got to quit talking how I've been talking because I haven't been talking like that. I loved God. I prayed in tongues every day, you know. Hadn't been praying in tongues a whole lot. That was 78s when I got filled. This was later in that year when I got a hold of Brother Copeland. And it took me a while to rein myself in that I could have, I don't need to have an opinion about everything. I don't need to voice what I'm thinking about everything. I know you think I do, but I, I really don't. But I'm talking about mental health here. Philemon chapter 1, verse 6. That the communication of your faith, we've been talking about faith, how to build your faith. That the communication of your faith may become effectual 
I want my faith to be effective, don't you? By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. And you could, buy, you could get that little mini book from Brother Hagin's ministries, In Him. You maybe We've passed them out here many a time, In Him. There's about, I don't know, 167 verses in that little pamphlet, little mini book on what we are in Christ. And get, read those scriptures one by one and mark them in your Bible and go back and re- refresh yourself by speaking them out of your mouth. Now, I found something very interesting in this verse. It's been a long time. The Rotherham translation it, uh, uses the word, instead of effectual, it uses the word energetic. And uh, I looked that up in Webster's, and it says an antidepressant. So what Philemon is trying to tell us here if we will speak the things, the good things, which is in us, in Christ Jesus, it will work like an antidepressant. We just sang it. I am a child of God. I am what he says that I am. Didn't we just sing that? Did we sing that or not? Help me here. I'm not mental, am I? We, yeah, I'm a child of God and... and, and and his name is wonderful and powerful. See, that's part of saying what is in us that's good in Christ Jesus. I've been redeemed. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. He's my wisdom. He gives me wisdom to make good decisions. See, you, you have to begin to say what you are, every good thing that's in you. You may have a weakness. We all have an issue sometimes about something, but you've got to override that by speaking to that weakness if it's a weakness in you. Some people are easily offended. Some people talk way too much. Some people are easily get sick. You need to deal with that. If you're a jabber box, you put a, the Bible says put a bridle on your mouth. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah, even while the wicked's before you. Sometimes you have to hold your peace sometimes. That's not a bad thing always. But it says here, your faith becomes effective and effectual and energetic by declaring every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. See, you're in him now. I'm Michael Jacobs, but I'm in Christ. I received Jesus. He, I got in him and he got in me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. All things have become, if it's passed away, it's dead. All things have become passed away to me. The old way of thinking, the old way of living, the old way of talking. You got to say it to move it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you still here? I'm talking about mental health. Let's go to Job 22. You know, I get so many good scriptures out of Job. I don't know why people are negative about that. Job 22. And let me, let me find that reference here. I was using a different Bible earlier this week. I didn't, didn't mark it. Job 22, 28. I'm just about done. It says, Thou shalt also decree a thing. 22:28 Thou shalt also decree a thing or say a thing and it shall be established unto you and the light shall shine upon your way. I mean I don't like that. I don't like a darkness shining on my way. 
But it says, Thou shalt decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee. So you have the right to speak based on God's word certain things. You decree it. I'm declaring that I have abundance and no lack. How long have you been saying that? About 30 years. And it's coming to pass. It's been coming to pass more and more in my life. I'm right now at the, I'm, well, I won't say that, but I can say the other maybe. Uh, you know, I'm considering buying another airplane. You know, they don't give those away normally. And uh, so I've got to believe for extra finances to come in to help me. I have a supply. I have a supply. You got any seed in the ground? About $200,000. That's not my tithe. That's just over and above. I, plus my tithe, plus my regular giving, offerings for others. But this is separate from all that. It's beyond all that. It's over and above. To help preachers. To help preachers pay their salary. To help preachers build buildings. All over the world. Not bragging, just talking. I, 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 you, <laughs> used to be just buying a tie and a pair of shoes. Maybe if I had that. But see, we stepped into something. And I told you this five, six, seven years ago. I taught this church just about everything I knew about finances to this congregation. There may be a few of you who weren't here then. I don't know. But just every issue about finance. And I found out that there's a uh, thing in the Bible called, uh, what is it called? The giver? What's it called? Distributor. Thank you. And I said in my home when I studied, I said, Father, I'd like to do that beyond where I've been able to do it. If you'll make me do that for me, I will be sure to obey you. And I've done that. I've given away over $200,000 in the last two years. That doesn't mean I'm rich. That's just talking to you here. See, but because I said in my, my office at home, Father, I'd like to be in an area where I could do more. I want to do more, not less. I want to keep more. <laughs> no, I want to do more to help the body of Christ. I just think if everybody thought like that, we'd just get this job done, go on home, be with the Lord in heaven. Hey. So you've got to learn to decree a thing and constantly decree it. Now, I qualify for that because I'm a giver. I pay my tithes. That's no problem. And then I give over and above that. Then I pay tithes out of my other account for my travel account. All that gets paid, tithes on that, plus over and above. See, I'm just I'm not bragging, I'm just talking to you. I know people say God loves them more than anybody else. That's not true. He loves us all the same. But he gives you the opportunity to make decisions all along the way. If you want to step it up in some area, you'll have to volunteer. He's not going to jerk you in there. You've got to volunteer for that. And then you have to be obedient once you volunteer. How many know what I'm saying? I'm preaching real good here. I'm not getting much response. Your words are critical. And if you'll decree a thing and make it a declaration and stay with it day in and day out, day in and day out, day in and day out, then it'll start happening for you. And light will shine on what you're saying and bring further revelation. That's what this says here in some areas. It says, thou shalt decree a thing and it'll be established, not just a hit and miss, but it'll be an established way of life with you. And lights will shine upon your ways. Man, I, I'm so thankful light has shined on my ways. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. 
decree a thing and it'll be established. What things do I decree? The things you want to see come to pass. You want to be healthier, you're going to have to find some other scriptures on health and say those things constantly. And maybe get in a prayer line here and there if you need it. We can minister to you. That would help. But you personally are going to have to get it in your mouth to get it in your heart so that you have faith down here. Faith is always of the heart. It's not of the head. I've learned somehow. I don't know how I learned it. Learned it from God. Just turn this off sometime and speak out of my spirit. And I always get results when I do that. I always get results when I speak out of my spirit because that's faith coming out of me. Are you listening? I pr- I, I'm the, a young couple I know quite well, Brandon and Tiff Thompson, Pastor Randy's oldest daughter, married to this man. They have a baby. They wanted me to dedicate their child. And I laid hands on that child in Nashville. They brought him to one of my meetings. And then I just kind of went like that to... Brother Brandon, I said, take that. That'll do you good. And you just kind of went like that. That's what my wife said. And he came back and told me that. And he said all of his symptoms left. And he was off his medication. The doctor said, don't ever take the, quit taking that medication. Your mind will have a meltdown. It rewires the way your brain functions. And he said, don't you remember praying for me? I said, no, I don't. <laughs> and then, you know, I thought, I'm just giving you a little insight here into something here. And... I said, Lord, is there something wrong with me? He said, no, there's nothing wrong with you. You spoke to him out of your spirit. That's why you don't remember it up here. My wife was standing next to me when he was telling me. She said, honey, I saw you did just what he said you did. You kind of went like that to his forehead. Take a little of that anointing. It'll do you good. And he's had pancreatitis all his life. And he almost died a couple years ago. I went to visit him in Bowling Green. I came in. An angel came in with me. Sean was with me in that event. He was dying. This happened after that event. Anyway, I'm just talking. See, that came out of my spirit. That, I couldn't find it up here in my brain. I'm thinking, well, is there something wrong with me? You know, you could think something's wrong. The Lord said, no, you just float out of your spirit that moment, and you didn't talk. It didn't register in your brain at the moment. It came right out of your heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Can you take another scripture or two? Yeah. I'm, I'm just, over, just about over the line, sweet Jesus. Uh, let's go to I, Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, I just, I don't know about you, I just love the Bible. I I do, I really love it, I I appreciate it, I'm thankful for it. I mark my Bible up, I color it up, make all kinds of colors in it and sticky tabs and neat little graphs and all kinds of little dot and diddles. I probably got 10 of these at home that I've wore out. I thought about oxy, what? Oxygen, one of these off for a million dollars or half a million. I don't know if anybody buy I'm just teasing you. Hallelujah. Let's hear it. Isaiah 55 and start in verse 8. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Well, then I need to get my thoughts in line with him. And then he says, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down, now watch this, as the rain comes down, the snow from heaven and returns not thither, doesn't come back up, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, 
but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it will prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Notice it says, it will not return unto me void. He wants his word returned to him. And he says, if you'll do that, it won't come back empty. Void means empty. It'll, it'll come back in power. So when I say, Father, I keep my mind stated on you, and you keep me in perfect peace, then that starts working in my head and my heart and my soul and things like that. You've not given me a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. Oh, Father God, I'm so glad I got a sound mind, a calm and well-balanced mind. Thank you, Father. I don't know what's on your plate, but I know what's on my plate. And I'm thankful to have a sound mind all the time. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It will not return unto me void, but it will accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. You remember Psalm 107, verse 20? It says he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. So that's, that's part of what this verse means here. It prospers in the thing that he sent it to do. He sent that word to deliver us. He sent that word to heal us. Hallelujah. Okay, one last verse. We just go, go back a little bit to Job, Job 32. I don't know. I've got a lot of mileage out of Job 32 in my life. Hallelujah. Job 32, 20. You get anything out of this today? <laughs> Speaking words. I know it could seem overwhelming at first, but don't let it be. Just You could just take the scriptures I've talked to you today about and just go back over them and meditate on them, think about them, speak them out of your mouth. Hallelujah. You know, that one about I decree a thing and it's established to me. You just have to stay with decreeing the same thing. Somebody says, well, that sounds boring. It sounds better than being sick. It sounds better than being broke. Sounds better than falling apart. Sounds better than having mental problems, emotional instabilities. Somebody don't like me. No, I don't think like that anymore. I think, praise God. I like people. I'd like them to like me, but if they don't, well, whatever. Not, I'm not holding anything against anybody. I got no access to grind, as we say. How many are listening? Yeah. I've already forgiven everybody of everything. Before they ever knew him. They did that about 12 years ago. It says verse 20, Job 32, 20. I will speak that I may be refreshed. Notice it said I will speak. I will speak. It didn't say anything about God doing anything. I will speak. <laughs> you have to do the speaking. That I may be refreshed. I will open my lips and answer. And here's some other translations I like says, I will speak and be relieved. Nothing will bring relief but speech. That's the Jerusalem Bible. Nothing will bring relief but speech. I will speak that I may freely breathe. There's a little connotation here like the, the, because this person was so covered up in the Hebrew that he couldn't hardly breathe. Somehow that reminded me of being a teenager bailing hay in Ohio in the month of August at 95 degrees in a tin barn and I happened to draw the short straw and had to go up on the top of the barn and get the bales off the loader and stack them, and there's this stuff flying everywhere. Steve knows what I'm talking about, and Paul. 
and, and you're sweating, you're sweating already because it's 95 and you're in a tin roof and you're just a few feet from the roof up in the top of the bar and you got sweat and that stuff gets on you, it itches you. And I was so thrilled when I got to come down and get a drink of cold water and stand in the wind. If there was any wind blowing, I was trying to get it to, you know, to cool me down. Since I will speak that I may freely breathe. Listen, there's so many things out of our words that we could have if we'll speak. I've said this for years. I'm refreshed, I'm redeemed, and I'm in revival. Are you really? Yes. I'm refreshed, I'm redeemed, I'm in revival. That doesn't mean I'm just running and taking laps every day. But I'm, I'm speak that because I want to stay current with God. I want to stay refreshed. I want to be redeemed. And I want to stay in an area of reviving myself. So I say that. And then it comes to pass. Hallelujah. How about standing up with me a minute? Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Anybody here today have anything wrong in your body you'd like me to pray for you about? You can come up here. I'd be glad to lay hands on you. Anybody? Okay, Brother Paul. Hallelujah. Yes, sir? That's right here? Can I put my hand? Father, I command this pain to get out of Paul's body in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I release that anointing in my hands to go in there and cause that pain to be no more. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. I felt that anointing. Brother Paul, what you need? Get my blood pressure down. Yep. And a pain in this wrist. Okay. Father, we command that blood pressure to come down in the name of Jesus. Everything to be normal and healed in this wrist, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Brother Paul, take that. What you need, Billy? Okay. Father, we speak healing to Billy in the name of Jesus, from the top of his head to the soles of the, all of the joints. Arthritis, come out. Every bit of stiffness, leave. I command those joints to be lubricated by the glory of God, burn out all the stiffness in those things in Jesus' name. Wow, praise God. Thank you for coming. I didn't know what you need, Kenneth. Father, we curse these allergies and command them to leave Kenneth's body right now. There's the power coming on you, Kenneth. What you need, sir? Lower disc in my back and arthritis. Father, I command this lower back to be healed. Come out. Pain, loosing, arthritis. Come out. Ever bit of that to loose you. And God, to restore your spine, sir, in the name of Jesus, all the vertebrae, all the disc, all the stuff that needs to be repaired and restored. Hallelujah. What you need, Trish? But it's not, Father, we command that to loosen up and be healed in Jesus' mighty name right now. We thank you for it. Which, your spine. Your spine. Father, we command this spine to be healed. Every bit of that to go in Jesus' name. Command this spine to be straight. Command vertebrae to be repaired and restored in the name of Jesus. All pain to get out of there. Whew, in the name of Jesus. Something's happening to you, lady. Happened to you right now. Angels working on you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. There it is. Hallelujah. What you need, Nancy? I have plantar fasciitis in my right foot and bone spurs on my heel. Ooh. I curse those bone spurs and command them to dissolve and be no more. And that 
leg and foot to be healed totally in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We had a lot of success in bone spurs dissolving in people's body in the name of Jesus. Whew, that's it, Nancy. Praise God. What you need? I've been diagnosed with cancer. Okay. In two places. Mm-hmm. I've rebuked it. Mm-hmm. Fear, we, fear keeps trying to come back Uh-huh, in. yes. And I just don't want to speak that on my body that I have it, but I know that I'm being treated for it. I'm mm. taking medicine for yes, it. Yes, ma'am. But it's still... It's still there, you know. Yeah. On the screen, it's still there. Yeah. Do you have Dodie Osteen's book? We'll get her one, Donna. Order. I know who she is. Yeah, but Donna will get you a book. We'll order some, and you can get one next time. When we get them in, she'll bring one to you. I curse this cancer. Come out! Every cancer cell, you die! And command my sister to live in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Oh, there it is. Anointing's on you. Wow, God's doing a work on you, lady. (laughs) Hallelujah. Ever bit of that come out of her in the name of Jesus. Ever a bit of that, every cancer cell in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. For him or you? Him. Him. So when I took him for his wellness visit Friday, Mm -hmm. they said that he's not growing like he should. Okay, so, according to their scale or something. Yes. So, hi. Hi. <laughs> so we're just believing that he's going to grow. Okay. Father, we pray for him to grow and catch up with all the charts that he's supposed to do and so forth. We thank you for it. We believe you for it right now. The power of God makes everything normal and everything well. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, you're a good receiver. What's his name? Jacob. Jacob. Hey, Jacob. Hey. Say hi. Hi. She's had uh, something in her nervous system with like tingles and feels like needles. Okay. Throughout her whole body. Okay. Uh, just more, more and more peace. More. Always looking better. Okay. Yeah. Father, we command this tingling to stop. Whatever's causing it, when pinched nerve or whatever it might be, I command it to be healed and command that to stop doing that in Jesus' name. And for your peace to continue to abide upon her as a young lady, we thank you for it. Thank you for bringing her to such a great family and to such a wonderful church where she could learn and grow and be a strong disciple. We thank you for her in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You're welcome. Hallelujah. What you need? Symptoms. Father, we command those symptoms to get out of her body in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In Jesus' name. It's okay, baby. I'm not going to hurt you. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. You feel that anointing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Praise God. Out of the mouth of babes. Praise God. <laughs> well, thank you for listening today. I hope that we've, we've met, I know we've ministered to you and been helpful to you listen uh and i think let me think here i think i'll be here next sunday too i'm going to be speaking the sundays that i'm going to be here for a while here and then we'll probably have sean take some services maybe less and we'll see what else but thank you for coming father we thank you for the word of god today we thank you for healing people's bodies making them whole touching them and quickening their flesh 
And thank you for healing and delivering people today in the name of Jesus. I speak blessing to the people that are here and peace to them as they leave. The angels of God go with you to take you safely to your destination in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise God.